Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in our faith and understanding of God's word, and serve Jesus here in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to join us for either of our two services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message. Take your Bibles open to Psalm chapter 130. Psalm 130, it's a a day of celebration for us. 55 years uh, ago, our church was founded. Uh, You heard the story, a little bit of the story from Preacher Max and how the Lord has just been faithful and has blessed our church ever since. You know, I was thinking this week about this church and all the Lord has done, and it's been said by some uh, that the Lord withholds from us all that he's done through us, right? So he doesn't let us see all of the spiritual fruit that our lives have produced. He doesn't let us see all the spiritual fruit that this church has produced uh, because he wants us to keep going, right? He doesn't want us to see all of it. He wants us to continue to work, to continue for more, to continue to trust in him. But I, I really look forward to the day when we'll get to heaven, And the Lord will open our eyes to all the spiritual fruit that this church has produced for 55 years. All the people uh, that have been saved, all the children, all the people that have come through these doors whose lives have been uh, forever altered, right, by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church from the beginning uh, has focused on Jesus and uh, will continue to do so, right? That's the foundation upon which we build. And so we're celebrating today. When you leave here in just a little while, uh, we've got cupcakes for you out in the lobby in the breezeway just for fun to say thank you, to kind of celebrate. You may have noticed the tables when you came in. We invited uh, some of our charter, some of our oldest members to a luncheon right after this just to let them know we love them, to celebrate them. Just for fun this morning, how many of you, just raise your hands real high so we can see, how many of you have been here 25 years or longer? Raise your hand, 25 years or more. Good number of people still. All right, put them back down. Now, everybody else, raise your hand. You've been here less than 25 years. Let's see those hands. Raise them so we can all see those too. Look at that, a lot of people. Man, a lot of people have been here for a long time, a lot of new faces. We, we celebrate, we really do. We look back about what the Lord has done, uh, praising his name, but man, with anticipation of the future, and all he's going to continue to do, and all the way he's going to work through this church. Now, this morning, we're continuing our study through the book of Psalms, and I've been challenging you each week uh, to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, right? Not just come hear a sermon and go home and forget it, but to take what we've learned, to apply it to your lives, to be challenged in the truth of the Lord. And so this morning, we've kind of divided this into major categories. We started uh, several weeks ago, and we talked about the creation and the glory and the majesty of the Lord. Then we moved in kind of the section where now we're talking about the fall and our sin and our need for a savior. That's where we are this morning. But Psalm 130 is kind of a unique chapter in our study because it comes in the section of Psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. So scholars will tell you that the city of Jerusalem is elevated up geographically. It's higher than a lot of the surrounding areas. And so when people would go to the temple to worship, or they would go to the temple for certain feasts and celebrations, they would have to physically ascend up to the temple, up to Jerusalem. So there's this, uh, there's this idea that as they were going up to the city of Jerusalem, they would probably sing, because these were hymns, 
They would sing these psalms. Really, Psalm 120 through 134 are known as the Psalms of Ascent. People, as they would go up to Jerusalem, would repeat these. They would chant them. They would sing them. And so there's this physical idea of ascent. But here's why it's going to matter to you this morning. This is why it's important. Because it's not just a physical ascent of past times. There's a spiritual ascent involved in welcome. So what you're going to see that's unique, really, to Psalm 130 is that the writer is going to begin in the depths and is going to walk us through this process ending at the throne of grace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Right? So it's a beautiful picture of our ascent from our sin, our need for a Savior, into salvation, into finally experiencing and seeing his majesty and his glory. One, one writer said it like this, it's a steady climb toward assurance, watch, and at the end, there is encouragement for the many from the experience of the one. And so I pray this morning you find great hope and great encouragement in these psalms because I know in a, in a church this size and with us simulcasting, maybe you're at home, maybe you've come this morning or are listening and you're in a place of brokenness, maybe you're in a place of hurting, maybe you're in a place of despair or hopelessness. Listen, you need to hear this. There is always hope in Jesus. There is always hope in Jesus. And some of you are thinking, well, he's just the preacher. He's got to say that. You're right. I am the preacher, and I, I do have to say that. But it's true. That's why I'm saying it. <laughs> Man, I've seen it. Preacher Max, I know you've seen it. Brother Tom, I know you've seen it over the years. Those of you who've been involved in ministry for years, we've seen the hope of Jesus. So no matter where you are, no matter where you are, there is hope in Christ. And I want you to see that this morning. So Psalm 130, beginning in verse 1. Notice where we're going to begin. I'm going to read all of it. It's just eight verses. Notice where we begin, and then notice where we end. Psalm 130, beginning in verse 1. Out of the depths. See that? I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, that's important, we're coming back to that. O Lord, who could stand? Verse four, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning very clearly. We see a cry for the Lord's help and forgiveness. A cry for the Lord's help and forgiveness. I want you to notice where this psalm begins. The psalm begins out of the depths, right? There's this, there's this physical idea here, and the psalmist writes uh, in many other parts of this book the idea of the depths, and all, oftentimes they'll use the sea or the ocean, right? Out of the depths of the ocean, out of the deep, 
out of the darkness, I'm crying out to the Lord, right? There's this idea of despair. There's this idea of hopelessness. There's this idea that I don't know if I can make this. So from wherever you're coming from this morning, wherever you're living, uh, whatever depth you find yourself in, whatever struggle you find yourself in, you can understand this cry, right? Out of the depths, I'm crying out for the Lord. Amy and I had the opportunity last weekend to take kind of a, an early anniversary trip. We'll be married 25 years in December, but we knew that Christmas, it's always crazy. And with the one coming up, it's going to be crazy on steroids. And so we decided, let's go ahead and do it now when we can enjoy it. So we went to Puerto Rico for a few days. And while we were there, we did some snorkeling. I made the mistake in the first service of saying scuba diving. And Amy's like, you said scuba diving, we went snorkeling. There's a difference, right? So I'm sorry, those of you may have heard wrong the first service if you were in here. We went snorkeling, but when you go snorkeling, we started in about 40 feet of water in the Caribbean. It's just crystal clear. You see all the way to the bottom, beautiful coral and a big reef we saw and, and all kind of uh, you know sea creatures and fish and all kind of cool stuff. Uh, but as you're swimming, one of the neat things that I noticed, and I don't do this very often, some of you may have done some scuba diving or snorkeling in the past, but you can see the light rays coming through the water down into the depths. It's really cool to me because you can see these individual streaks of light. And the thing that I noticed was that they're pretty bright right here, but the farther down they get, the less you can see the light and the darker it becomes. I, I learned something this week when I went. I know y'all are going to be shocked, but I'm a little bit nerdy with some things and I like geography a lot. So you combine those two together. I studied a lot about Puerto Rico before and I was just curious about the topography about the ocean that surrounded it. And you may not know this, but just north of Puerto Rico is called the Puerto Rican Trench. It's the deepest part of the Atlantic. Did anybody know that, just out of curiosity? Anybody know that? A couple of you? Some of you are like, yeah, but I don't want to seem too nerdy. So yeah, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, 27,000 feet down. Right, exactly, right? Now, we didn't swim that far out, but imagine swimming over 27,000. That's five miles. Like, what's down there? Right? What's just below my feet that I can't see? Because there comes this point that the light doesn't penetrate. And so you get a certain point below the surface and it's pitch black, right? Darkness, depth. Now watch, this is important. We think about physical darkness. So we're reading this idea in verse one, out of the depths. We're thinking about physically deep and dark and all the difficulties. But there's a spiritual component in here that matters, Right? The writer is talking more about the spiritual, right? So it's almost like our life is in chaos. That's the kind of depth we're talking about. We're in despair. We don't see a way out. Life is difficult. These are the depths we're talking about. Now watch, I'm going to flip the script a little bit, and I'm going to offend some of you. Well, the Bible's going to, but I want to show it to you this morning. I want you to look at verse 3, right? So we're thinking about the depths. We're thinking about the despair. We're thinking about the difficulties of life. It's from down here. We're crying out to the Lord, begging him to work. Look what happens in verse three. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Now, let's be clear. The word iniquities means wickedness. It's a wicked thing or an act. The, the other word that the Bible uses oftentimes for this is sin, right? One writer said it like this, iniquities stands for the sinful acts and the results that follow. Now, here's what's happening, right? This person is saying, I'm crying out from the depths. I'm crying out from the deep. 
I'm crying out, Lord, if, if you marked my iniquities, there's so many who could stand, right? So let's put these pieces together and let's understand biblically what's happening here. The psalmist understands here in 130, chapter 130, that his difficulties, his problems, his distress are caused by his own sinfulness, right? It's his fault. Lord, I'm down here, I'm struggling, I'm in the depths. It's because of my iniquities, right? If you marked all my sin, I couldn't stand up to it, Lord. If everybody knew all the things I'd done, I could never set foot in this place again. I'm here, Lord, because of the mistakes I've made. Now, here's the struggle. Here's the truth that might hurt. Oftentimes, the struggles that we go through, the difficulties we face, are a result of our own sin in our lives. You're like, Man, I need to hear that, <laughs> right? I mean, I, there's somebody else that's wrong, Adam. It's my boss or my spouse or uh, my children or the work situation or somebody did something they shouldn't have done. Somebody said, those things might be true. In fact, those things probably are true. But here's the question. Have you also sinned in those situations to make them worse? Right? Have you caused a situation that wasn't good to become a lot worse because of the way you responded or the things that you said? or the decisions that you made, right? The psalmist is real clear here. And I'm in the depths, I'm crying out, it's because of my iniquities, it's because of my sin, it's because of my failure. So there's this, there's this beautiful thing that happens in verse four, right? It's like the psalmist is, is pushing us down, he's reminding us, it almost feels like we're just kind of falling under the weight of this, like this is too much for me to handle, it's my sin that have brought me to this place and the struggles I'm having are because of the things I've done and it's hard for us to see hard for us to hear. We don't want to think through that. And then we get to verse four. And there's this beautiful reminder, but with you there is what? What's the word there? Forgiveness, right? Because it's absolutely true, man. A lot of us are in the depths. A lot of us struggle on a lot of different levels. And it might depend on the day of the week. You might be deeper than you are some other days. And a lot of us are in difficult situations, right? At work, at home, physically, emotionally, whatever it might be, health-wise. And a lot of us are there because of decisions we've made, right? And so we come to this place where we're in despair and we're not quite sure what to do. And it's like the psalmist knows this is hard for us to hear. So let me just remind you, there's absolute forgiveness in the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter how you're suffering, no matter the struggles of life, watch, no matter your sin, there's always forgiveness with Christ. So we're crying out, we're crying out. I can't believe I'm here, I'm in despair, I'm in the depths, I'm crying out, I'm begging for forgiveness. Now look at verse five of 130. This is when it's gonna get challenging for us. Okay, I get it, fine. So I'm sinful, get it, right? I made some mistakes. Probably some of the things that I've done in my life have caused me to be where I am. I get that, but I'm still crying out for the Lord. I need the Lord to intervene. Lord, forgive me, right? I know there's forgiveness in verse four. Now pull verse five up, I want you to notice, right? Because here's what we're hoping, right? I've done this, Lord. I've made a mistake. Forgive me. Now verse five, look what it says. So immediately, Lord, I need you to help me. All right, that's what we wanted to say. That's the Adam version. That's Adam's version. 
dropped the ball, Lord, messed it up, <laughs> did some things you shouldn't have done, said some things you shouldn't have said, acted a certain way. I'm here. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I'm calling out. I need you to fix it right now. No, that's not what Scripture says. Verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. Now, he's going to continue along these lines just to make sure you get it. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. Just in case you didn't get it the first two times, verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord. In case you don't understand what he's talking about, more than watchman for the morning. And in case you finally didn't get it, he's going to repeat it again. More than watchman for the morning, right? There's this idea kind of baked into this is this idea of waiting and looking in verse 2, hoping in the Lord's grace, right? Hoping in the Lord's grace. So we're crying out, we're calling out from despair, from the sinfulness of life, for all the things that we're dealing with. We're crying out now. We're hoping, we're waiting, we're begging for the Lord to wait, for the Lord to work, right? We're begging for the Lord to do great things in our lives, begging him to work immediately. Here's the problem we have, right? We live in a world where we want the instant. How many have ever prayed for patience? Anybody? Right? Chuckles all around, right? <laughs> Why? Because we know when we pray for patience, God gives it to us oftentimes by putting us in a situation where we have to learn it, right? The old saying is don't pray for patience, right? Because he's going to put you in the situation that makes you wait. We live in this world of instant gratification, right? I was reading about Thomas Edison this week. Just for fun, if you're under the age of 18, who is Thomas Edison? Seriously, does anybody know? Who was Thomas Edison? Light bulb. That's exactly right. He invented the light bulb, right? It said that it took him like 10,000 tries before he ever made the light bulb work. Here's what Thomas Edison said later. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Imagine at 9,999 if he'd been like, whatever, I'm out, man. <laughs> Too much. I can't do all this. Just keep using the candle, right? Keep using the flame. It'll be fine for the next 1,000 years. No, he continued. He persevered, right? Here's the question as we think about this idea of faithfulness, as we think about this idea of being in despair, as we think about this idea of sinfulness and begging for the Lord's forgiveness and then waiting on the Lord. Here's the question. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on the Lord or are you waiting and hoping on the things of this world? Right? Maybe you're waiting and hoping for a better career. Maybe you're waiting and hoping for a raise. Maybe you're waiting and hoping that that person, whoever that person might be, is going to change. Maybe you're waiting and hoping that person's going to say something or do something they've never done before, right? Scripture is very clear in verse 5. I wait for who? The Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. Now, we understand his word is the Bible. We get that. We've seen that. We've studied that. We understand it. But the psalmist writing hundreds of years before the birth of Christ did not know that in John 1, 1, the writer would say in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And then John 1.14 tells us that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right? Jesus is the word. So even as the psalmist is telling us to hope and to be patient and to wait on his word, we're thinking about Jesus. We're looking ahead to Jesus. We're thinking about the despair we live in. We're crying out to the Lord. We're patiently waiting, knowing that it's only Jesus that can save us and rescue us. Now, verse seven, as we wind this down, Psalm 130, verse seven, he widens the scope. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Right? So we're crying out for hope. We're hoping and trusting and waiting. And then truth number three, we see a promise of the Lord's redemption. We see a promise of the Lord's redemption. Right? There's this beautiful picture here in verse 7 of the hope we find in the Lord, of the love we find in the Lord, and of the redemption that we find only in the Lord. Not just for the individual person, but for everybody, right? Just imagine if we change this text, right? I want to be careful here because we get caught up sometimes thinking that this story is about us. We we, we get caught up thinking this story is about me and I'm somewhere in this story. No, this story is about the Lord. It's about his goodness It's about his faithfulness. So he's talking to Israel specifically in verse seven, but this is a broad idea of hoping in the Lord. This is a broad idea of the Lord's redemption. So just imagine if we substituted in verse seven, it says like this, oh, America, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there's steadfast love. With him, there's plentiful redemption. And then in verse eight, and he will redeem America from all their iniquities. We we get real caught up sometimes and and really upset with the way the world is going and and probably rightly so. And we get mad at people and how they think and what they do and we get divided on certain issues. And I'm just going to be real clear with you. The only hope for our country and for our world is Jesus. And it's not going to happen if we don't do it. All right, so let me just speak to Adam for a second. I can talk to you later. I'm going to talk to myself for a second. Man, the next time I get mad about something in our country, maybe I should look in the mirror and ask myself, am I sharing the gospel with the lost people of this world? When's the last time I walked across the street and told somebody about the redemption of Jesus Christ? When's the last time at work I was honest about my faith? When's the last time when I was at the sports field that I made a decision to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because right? it's all about Jesus. It's all about his redemption. And listen, believe it or not, the world is kind of living out Psalm 130. They're living out Psalm, because they are in the depths, right? You know it just like I do. You know people all in your life that are living in the depths and they're crying out, aren't they? They want some help. They want some hope. They're crying out in all the wrong places, right? We get that, but they're looking, they're hoping, they're anticipating. They want something to come along and save them. They're just not quite sure what it is. And we've been given this truth. We've been given this beautiful picture of exactly who the Lord is, exactly what the Lord has done, exactly what the Lord can do, but it's up to us to make a difference in the world. Right? Because the truth of the matter is we've all broken our relationship with God. 
We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We're all living in the depths. There's a great divide between us and the Lord, and it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus that we can be forgiven. Our call at the end of the day, at the end of life, is to trust him for all things and allow him to do great work in our lives for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for the the simple truths again, Lord, of Psalm 130, the desperation of our own lives, the desperation of the world, the cries for hope, the waiting, the searching, the looking, the hoping for redemption, Father. The world doesn't know where that redemption comes from, but we do. So help us to live it out, Father. Help us to understand it. Help us to share it with people that desperately need it. Father, do great work in us and through us. And we'll give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.